Yesterday, I got to go to the hospital to celebrate with the family, bring in a new baby into the world, and it took a little while, 3 a.m. this morning, he came in this world, and, but being able to pray with them and driving back, this song came on the radio, and, and you just got to, you know, when you're in the presence of the Lord, you just cry sometimes. I once had a professor say that if you can read the Bible without crying, you're not truly reading the Bible. I felt like that was a little overdramatic until you start thinking about the times that you're with the Lord. And then you just start thinking about his presence. He's the light that the darkness can't handle. Some of you are living in a dark season and you need the light of Jesus to just pull you out. Some of you are, are, are afraid. And we're just saying that Jesus silences fear. So whatever you're dealing with right now, I promise you Jesus is enough. Last week, Daniel shared with us at the beginning of Colossians that Christ is supreme. He's all-powerful. and Jesus is enough. You throw out any scenario that you're dealing with right now, and I promise you Jesus is the answer. When we read in Colossians and starting in verse 3, we're going to get there in just a second, I promise you. But do you ever feel like sometimes all the things that you're doing, it's not making a difference one bit? Anybody ever felt like that? There have been too many times where, you know, as a pastor, and you think pastors, I hope you, let's just dispel some myths real quick. We don't live on cloud nine. We don't even live on cloud eight. <laughs> sometimes we're on the ground. Because sometimes when we, when we shepherd and we minister and we do things and we preach and we pray and, and we, we just try to serve the best we know how, we wonder, is it enough? Is it making a difference? Some of you have faced that scenario in your home, all the things that you've tried with your spouse and all the things that you've, parenting tricks and tips you've read about and tried on your kids. Yes, kids, they tried tips and tricks. They read magazines. It's great. All the things that you do, you wonder, is it making a difference? And inevitably, somebody will send you a note or somebody will call you on the phone or somebody will do something and, and they'll just say one thing and it makes you realize everything I'm going through is worth it. You ever had that experience? I got to have lunch with the pastor at uh, the Donaldson Church of Christ, Pastor Russ. He's a great guy. Man he's, man, he's phenomenal. If you don't know Russ King, you need to get to know Russ King. He might as well be the king of Donaldson because he just everywhere. He loves people. He gets to know people. And he's become a friend over these last couple of years. And he was sharing a story with me that I don't think he would mind me sharing. That, uh, and, and again, dispelling myths. Sometimes pastors long for nine to five jobs. That way we can turn it on and turn it off and go home. But Russ was telling me one day he was kind of in that moment where he just wasn't sure if anything that he was doing as a pastor was, was making a difference in anybody's life. And he went to a place, I went to a bank, and he was sitting down with a banker friend of his, and they were going over some business and things like that. And the banker paused and just said, Russ, I want you to know that you make a, a huge difference in my life. I wish that I could make a difference like you make a difference. And Russ was blown back because two things there. One, he didn't realize the difference that he made in this guy's life. And the second thing is what we're going to talk about today. Sometimes we don't realize the differences that we make because we assume that because it's not on a pedestal, it doesn't mean anything. 
But yet this guy sitting in a bank who was helping families and helping people take care of their money and make sure there was money left over at the end of the day and maybe help them with loans and get them all the things that they needed. He was making a difference because as they had a home, they had a chance to raise a family. And as they had a chance to raise a family, they got to share the gospel. And as they got to share the gospel, their kids came to know Jesus, all because he helped them secure a home. Never discount the insignificant of your life because maybe Jesus is using it for something greater. And Jesus wants to do something powerful in your life. It may not feel like it at the time, but it's happening. I believe that the church in in Colossae found that same situation. Back in their day, it wasn't exactly like the uh, the top 10 things to do is to go to church and be a Christian in public. I mean, they were sometimes they could be in public and they could have service and it was okay. And then there were sometimes it wasn't. There was a lot of infighting within the church because you had Gentiles and Jews and they were fighting for who had supremacy and authority. And so you have this whole church that probably at different times is just asking themselves, are what we doing, is what we're doing for our city and what we're trying to do with this, this ministry, is it enough? And that's why I love Paul, because as he's writing these letters, he starts this letter with, man, you people are incredible. So I want to encourage you before we even get to the scriptures this morning. You may be sitting here thinking that what you're doing right now is not making a difference. I want to encourage you to keep going. Because while we think things in the immediate, if we don't get that instant return, doesn't mean that God's not moving and God's not working. It just means that God's not ready for you to experience all the influence just yet because he's still growing. He's still working. He's still using. And there will come a day that all that you're going through, God is going to show you all the difference that you made in people's lives. But you have to keep going. And that's one of the things in the, the letter to the Colossian church is you got to keep going. So join me in Colossians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 3. In verse 3 in chapter 1, it says, We always thank God for you. We being Paul, Timothy, other people. The use of the word we is just something that really just, man, it just feels good. And that's one of the things that we try to do as a church. Remember that plurality is that this is all of us together. So Paul saying to the church, all of us that are together right now in this room, everybody that's with me, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard that your faith in Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You've already heard about this hope in the word of truth, that is the gospel, that's come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day that you heard it and truly came to appreciate God's grace. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has told you or told us all about your love for the Spirit. Sometimes when we think about the encouragement, Paul's encouraging here is, I want you to know that what you're doing is making a difference in people's lives, whether you realize it or not. And the point that really kind of draws out here of this scripture is how we live the gospel matters. How we live out what we know about Jesus and how we live out what we know about the gospel matters a great deal. I can imagine this church is probably only a few years old. So some of these people that Paul is writing to have only been Christians for a short time. They're wondering, is anything that I'm doing working? And Paul is sitting there saying, I'm in a prison, what feels like half the world over. And I'm telling you right now, what you're doing is making a difference. How you're living the gospel is making a difference. And I need to tell us as a church and as a community of believers, brothers and sisters in Jesus, that how we live the gospel matters. 
Paul starting here saying, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, I'm thanking God for the people of this church. I'm thankful for the way that you identify with Christ. I'm thankful for the way that you've grown your faith. I'm thankful for the way that you've grown your love. And I'm thankful that you've put your hope in Jesus Christ. If those three things, faith, hope, and love, sound familiar, then back up to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that you hear at every wedding. You'll hear it a few times this summer. Autumn, I'm hoping we hear it at your wedding here in just a little bit. That of all these things, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. This is not a new theme that Paul just all of a sudden came out of the air. This is what he's been preaching, faith, hope, and love. What he's saying here is that your faith in Christ, your faith for Christ, all the things that are happening, it's beginning to, it's beginning to take root, and it's making a huge difference. The challenge for some of us is how is our faith going? Where is our faith right now, and who is it in, or what is it in? Because your faith is taking root into something, and the question is, is your faith in the right thing or in the right person? If the answer is anything other than Jesus and God, your faith is in the wrong place. If your faith is in the political system in which you vote for, it's in the wrong place. If your faith is in your favorite sports team, it's in the wrong place. I promise you, they're going to let you down by season's end. If your faith is in in relationships that you have with other human beings, I promise you, they are going to let you down. But if your faith is in God and your faith is in Jesus Christ, then it has taken root to something that is deeper, that is more fulfilling and will last for eternity. And Paul is saying, church, what you've done by placing your faith in Christ, your identity is in Christ because it is there. It is making a difference both in your local community and around the globe. So the question to us is, where's our faith? How are we living out the gospel based on the faith of Jesus that we have? If our faith is very shallow, then it's probably not more than a Sunday, Wednesday life group thing. If our faith is deep, then everything about you is just screaming Jesus. Why is it that some of our worship leaders and or all of our worship leaders and why is it our life group leaders and leaders around the church? Why is it that you think they're spiritual giants? It's not because they're the greatest of greats. It's because they have faith in Jesus Christ. He also talks about their love. This one is getting a little more complicated as the day gets long. And the reason I say that is because how are you loving somebody that doesn't look like you? Who are you loving that doesn't look like you? Who do you love that's sitting next to you now? I look and I've read some political things this morning and and probably not the greatest thing to do is read some political commentary before a church day. But then again, it makes you praise Jesus that he's so much bigger than anything happening. We have children that are separated from their moms. How are we loving their families until their kids come home? We have brothers and sisters that are fighting right now within a church denomination because of fear. How are we loving them even though we disagree with them or how we agree with them? We got people that can't just think straight. As soon as one person says something, then they hit the fan and it's just, it's crazy. How do you love them in the midst of the chaos? How do you love somebody that feels unlovable? How do you love somebody that doesn't deserve it in your eyes? How are you loving people? Because what Paul is telling to this church in Colossians, in Colossae, is like, because of your love, you're making a difference. Because of all the infighting, yet you still love and you still gather and you still worship because you love one another. Man, it's incredible what you're doing in the kingdom. 
Because you love the Romans and you love those that don't know Jesus, you are showing them more gospel than they've ever seen in their life. Thank you for loving them so well. So now you've got your faith that's rooted in Christ and you're loving people really well. And Paul says here, he said, the reason why is because the source of your hope is not the reward of your faith and love. The source of your hope is in Jesus Christ who gave it to you in the first place. And so the question is, what are you hoping in? Are your, is your hope placed and sourced in the right spot? If your hope is sourced in the eternity that comes with a relationship with God, then I promise you, your hope will, is the right thing. And the faith and love is a byproduct of that hope. And it's a beautiful thing when our hope is in Jesus, because I promise you, it's never going to let you down. You may go through a dark season. You may go through tough times. But Jesus said, God will never leave us. He will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. He will always be with us. That is the source of our hope. And as long as we're there, just like the church in Colossians, as long as our hope is in Jesus Christ and God the Father, we will make a difference in this world. And we will begin to see some things that are absolutely incredible. The beautiful thing about the gospel, the gospel has crossed the boundaries and lines here in the church of Colossians. I wonder how many boundaries the gospel has crossed to get to you. You might ask yourself, where did I learn about the gospel? Some of you, it was across the, uh, the living room because your family led you to the Lord. Some of you, and, and not to disrespect anybody in the room, and I please, if it offends you, I promise it's not meant offensive. Some of you learned about Jesus behind bars and windows. Some of you learned about Jesus at your deepest, darkest moment. Some of you learned about Jesus because a friend desperately wanted to, to change your life and the only way they knew how was to introduce you to Jesus. The gospel is so big, it's got to cross lines for us in order to live it out. What boundaries are you going to be willing to cross to go live out the gospel? Fear? Social status? Political status? Denomination status? Could you just share the gospel because the person in front of you is loved and cared for by God? Is that possible? Because really, truthfully, that's the only thing that matters. The line you need to cross is the one that's standing in front of you that you have written and drawn yourself. Step across it and go share the gospel. Because Jesus has done that for us. And the reason Jesus did it is because, is because he loves you and cares for you. And because Jesus did that, Paul can teach the Colossian church. But he also says something that's very important here that I don't want to overlook. And that is that the church was always teachable. How we live the gospel also is determined by how teachable we are. Paul says that it was from Epaphras who is a, he's a faithful fellow minister of the gospel. Because you have followed his leadership and you have followed his teaching and you have done all the things. You have really, he's the one that's telling us all the things that's happening. I ask you, how teachable are you and who are you following? Have you ever put yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ? Have you ever put yourself under the authority of a church by joining it and becoming a ministry partner or a member? Not by association, but actually joining up and saying, I want to partner with you in ministry and I want to be with you and what's going on here because I need to be teachable. I need to be coachable and I need to share the gospel with people and I need help. That's what's happening in Colossae. They are putting themselves under the authority of the local church, under their pastor, under their leaders. And they're saying, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be put into, into use. 
And Paul's saying, because you're faithful and you've been teachable and you've been coachable and because you've come together, the gospel's expanding. So the three things that we always say around here is developing the disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. Those are our three. So what's happening here with the church of Colossae is they're gathering together for worship and teaching. They are growing in teaching and growing in, in relationships. And they are going into their neighborhoods and going literally around the globe. And they're sending offerings out. And they're sending missionaries out and other church planners. And they're doing whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who will gather, grow, and go in that particular region. That is what's happening in a couple of verses of Colossians. How we live the gospel matters. I say that because there are some people that are desperately watching you right now. Wanting to know that thing that you do on Sundays or Wednesdays or that life group that you're a part of, is it truly who you are or just something you do? And how you live the gospel in front of them is going to make a huge difference. And I can't wait till we get to a place where we share more stories and maybe it even this side of, maybe it's the next side of heaven. When God says, man, I am so excited for the way that Wayne Ryle has shared the Lord. And the gospel that he has shared and demonstrated, it wasn't that he was a, uh, just an amazing teacher. It was just simply that he lived out the gospel in every, every form possible. No pressure, Wayne. But how incredible it would be to live out the gospel in such a way that transforms the lives of everybody else. Man, that's a challenge for all of us. And as I say it, the first person I'm going to point the finger at is right here. Don't let the title of pastor fool you. I'm as equally, if not more, responsible for how I live out the gospel than anyone sitting in this room. I've got to start the way. It starts with me. Pick up with me in verse 9. Paul continues to write. It says, For this reason also, since the day that we heard about all the things that you're doing, how the church is loved and grown in faith, we have not stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and great patience. What I pull from that section of scripture is how we grow and develop as a disciple matters. Paul is telling them, man, it is absolutely incredible what you guys are doing, the reputation that you're building. But here's my prayer for you is that you would not stop and you would continue to grow. Chris Dolbear, who's preaching on our Mount Julia campus, he said this in, in some notes that we were back and forth with. He said, Christianity is not meant for a vacuum. We continually have to add to it. We have to continue to grow. We have to continue to develop. The development of our faith does not stop on this side of heaven. We don't arrive spiritually until we arrive into heaven. And that is when we stand before the Lord and we tell him, we have loved your son, Jesus Christ. We had given our lives to him fully. And then we have arrived. But even then we're still going to grow because all we're going to do is worship the Lord. And we're going to hear stories and just celebrate all the things that God has done. We will not stop growing on this side of heaven. So do not ever stop growing in your faith of Jesus Christ. Don't ever stop growing in how you can love and demonstrate love to other people on this side of, on this side of heaven. Do not let go of the hope that is so readily yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have got to continue to grow. It is not that God loves us because of our activity either. It is not all the activities that we do. Remember, Paul said, fully pleasing to the Lord. So it's not based on activity and then God shines down upon us because he loves us and he picks us out because we're the best of the best and then he gives us identity. 
It starts that God loves us. And through Jesus Christ, he gives us identity as his child. And because of the things that he's loved us and the way that he identifies with us, we should live out our, our lives to the best of our ability and show as many people as we can the gospel of truth. Because how God loves us. <coughs> By sharing the prayer to the church of Colossae, Paul's teaching us here in this moment. And these are the things that he's teaching us on how we need to grow and develop. He's saying, I need you to continue to grow so that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Notice he didn't say on a couple of days of the week. Everything about us that we are walking in the way of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That means all the thoughts that we have throughout the week, let's make them pleasing to the Lord. All the conversations that we have, let's make them pleasing to the Lord, following and walking in his way. Let's make sure everything that we do is fully pleasing to the Lord. Some of us, we can't do that because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we give up something that, man, then everybody will kind of know what we're doing and we'll kind of be exposed. I promise you, you need to be exposed for the gospel because you're going to see all the things that you're missing. Walk in the ways of the Lord and be fully pleasing to him. He also says here that we need to bear fruit in every good work. Now, while we say that the activity doesn't equal salvation, activity should be the byproduct of salvation, meaning everything that we do when we identify with Christ should bear fruit. How you relate to other people should be the fruit of your relationship with Jesus. The mission trips that you go on are the fruit of all the things that God has taught you and the importance of other people. That should be the fruit. The way that you say hello to someone at work and make them feel special and welcome should be the fruit. We should bear fruit in every single way. If you can't identify what fruit is, then I highly recommend you get into a life group and start growing with somebody in the gospel. Because you'll begin to see through Bible study and just true relationships what the fruit is when you start to say, man, somebody was praying for me this week. Someone encouraged me this week. We had a, a lady here at the, at the church. She's done it two weeks in a row. She's been a faithful friend, sat in the ER with a friend for two, for two weeks. Amazing. We've had people that have prayed for people nonstop until someone came to know Christ. And when that person came to know Christ, they found that the fruit was all the prayers that that person had offered. We've had life groups that have given scholarships to students, many of those that are sitting right here, and these students have given their life to Christ. We've got children in the back. We've got the fruit of just somebody just being available to teach. That is being fruitful in the gospel because you're being used by the Lord. How are you bearing fruit in the work that you do? And I promise you, don't over-spiritualize this. Don't over-spiritualize over it. Simply by being a human being with compassion, you can show the gospel through that. Not arguing over silly things, but finding things that you can share the love of Christ with, I promise you, you can show the gospel there and you can bear fruit. How are you bearing fruit in the works that you do? How are you growing in the knowledge of God? Here in just a little bit, we're going to be out, out here welcoming people, greeting people. Glad everybody's here today. Some of my friends, Bill and Linda Turner, their life group's going to be out there, and they're going to be able to help you find a life group that you could join because we feel like as a church, it's very important that we grow in our knowledge. The best way for us to do that is not only through Sundays, but also through life groups. Maybe you've got some children that need to get with Eric, and they need to get in life groups with our students. Maybe you need to meet Cheryl. Make sure your children are being taught well in life group with our children. But you get involved in a life group and begin to grow in your knowledge. Also strengthen with all God's power. 
experience, experience, watching God begin to work through you, watching God do some incredible things around you. That way, when you experience God's strength, you can show God's strength based on what he's done in your life. Having great endurance and great patience. Let's deal with the patience first. We live in an instant gratification society. That's not the case with God. Because sometimes God will do it immediate and sometimes God will do it in a season. But the truth is God is continuing to move and work in your life. Be patient for what God is doing. Be appreciative of what God is doing. Celebrate what God is doing. Because I promise you at the end of that patience, you will find out you have greater endurance than you thought you did. But you got to let God work. And you got to let God move on his time and his way because I promise you it's way better than ours. Because when we came in this morning, can I just sidebar just for a minute? I guess I can. I've got the microphone. Anyway, (laughs) when I came in this morning, it's distraction after problem after distraction after problem and, and like little things, nothing major. But as soon as you recognize it, you got to say, you know what, Lord, spiritual warfare is happening right now. The devil is trying to keep me from doing what I need to do today and what you need to do today. And so, God, this is your day. This is your time. And by demonstrating some patience and by demonstrating a little endurance, what an incredible time of worship we've had so far. But we're not done yet. Be patient. There's more to come. (laughs) But we do this because of what God is doing for us. When you recognize that things are not going your way, don't get upset. Just begin to pray and begin to work and distract yourself by doing good works for the gospel. Saying, God, I'm distracted by this, so to make sure I'm not distracted by the wrong thing, I want to just place myself in your hands and I serve and and pray and, and read the Bible or whatever the call is today so that I can see your love and demonstrate that and not what's in front of me. And if you can distract yourself with the works of the kingdom, then what Satan's trying to distract you with doesn't even matter. And it won't even phase you. Some of the greatest people that I, that I believe in the spiritual life, every time I think about this one particular guy, he has had some really rough stuff happening in his life. You know what he continues to say when we ask him about it? Oh, man, God's good. He'll, he'll get me through this. I want to be there. I want to get to that zone. But I promise you it's because as we continue to grow in the Lord. And how we thank the Lord for the things that he's placed us in. Finish up with me in Colossians verse 11. Kind of that last little word there. It says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the last thing that I pull out of that section of scripture is how we show gratitude matters. How we show gratitude matters. I mean, let's be honest. When's the last time you thank God for anything other than a meal? When's the last time you thank God for just working in a situation that you couldn't see the end of, but you knew God was there because he said he wouldn't abandon you? When's the last time you looked at a a situation that was just amazing? It was just going swimmingly. Everything was going great, and you just praised the Lord for what was going on. You know, sometimes we think when it's good, we did it. When it's bad, God did it. No. God is in control of everything. So let's go ahead and praise him. Because the end result of both will be worthy of his praise. 
Paul is telling his church, he's like, not only, man, what an incredible thing that you're doing, and I'm praying for you to continue to grow, but let's be honest. Let's thank the Lord for what he's already done. Let's just thank the Lord for some of the situations that, that you're in right now. I mean, Wade was up here a few minutes ago saying we're all into something. Some, something's got our attention. Something's got our heart. Something's got us you know, mentally you know, kind of checked in. Why don't we just praise the Lord that, God, even though my mind is there, I just praise you because you've already taken care of everything that's going on. You know how I got in it, and you know how I'm going to get out of it. And however you need to work, I want to praise your name. This may totally ruin my life, but if it means I get closer to you, then praise your name. This may just damage a relationship, but better to live in honesty than in a lie. Praise your name. This may just change the way that I have to financially outlook my life, but praise your name. This may mean that I need to just admit that I'm not where I need to be, but praise your name. God, things are just sowing so well and your blessing is so good. Praise your name. God, I didn't wake up this morning and want to hit the alarm clock and throw it across the room. Praise your name. I did not want to hit my children because of how they were acting in the back of the car. Praise your name. How are you praising the Lord? How are you praising the Lord? Let's think about this. Why don't we praise the Lord for our identity? And because of Jesus Christ, we are now identified as sons and daughters of the Most High. So if you have given your life to Jesus Christ and you have given your hope to him and you have said, God, you are the Lord of my life, then praise be the Lord because you are a son or daughter of the King. And if you would say, oh, I haven't done that yet, then praise the Lord that we have a worship service today that you can do that. Because this is the place where we can come. It's a safe place. It's a place with great friends and great family. And you can say, I don't know Jesus, and I don't know that my hope is in him. And praise the Lord, we got people that want to pray with you. we got pastors that would love to share with you. And praise the Lord that you could leave here today with the hope of Jesus Christ. But praise the Lord that we can have identity through him. Maybe we need to praise the Lord because he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Some of you are like, I'm still waiting for that because it's my place of work. I promise you, God will rescue you. Or maybe God will use you. Maybe God doesn't want to rescue you from the darkness. He wants you to be the light in the darkness. And the rescue is how you just use the gospel to use in that situation. Maybe the rescue is that God just brought you out of a sinful situation and he has rescued you from the penalty of sin. Praise the Lord. Maybe that fear that you're holding on to, that that's the darkness clouding you right now, the light of Jesus needs to come on you, and we're going to praise the Lord because he's going to release you from that. And how incredible it is when the grace of God becomes the light and the source of our hope because light has more power than darkness, and Jesus has more power than any of us, and praise the Lord that he can do anything he needs to do for you, for you, for his kingdom, for his, for his glory, and for our eternal salvation. Praise the Lord that he can rescue us from the dominion of darkness and whatever we're facing. And praise the Lord that he has transferred us into his kingdom. God didn't just rescue us and pay the debt of sin and be like, well, high five, good luck. Don't screw up again. No, what Jesus did is he paid the price for our lives. He took the keys of sin and the keys of hell and he said, nobody else is coming in. If they identify with me, you can't have them. They're over here in my kingdom. And for some of you, you feel like you're worthless and you feel like you have no identity. You need Jesus and you need him to transfer you from hell to his life and his kingdom. And that's the best way you can do that is to give your life to him. 
the transfer from darkness to light, the transfer from hopelessness to hope, the transfer to eternity in hell, which is hot. If you complain about the weather, then don't go to hell. Transfer into Jesus and go to heaven where it's going to be amazing. And we're not going to heaven because of the temperature in which hell. We're going there because hell is death and Jesus is life. And we want to go transfer into that. And the best part is, he's already done it. He just needs you to accept it. That's the beautiful thing of the church in Colossians. Paul is saying things that have already happening. All those things that they thought, we are not making a difference in the world. Paul is saying, but you are. How you live your faith and how you demonstrate your love and this hope that you have, how incredible it is for the kingdom of God to have people that would do that. One of the beautiful things that I hear as a pastor of this church is, man, Scott, it is incredible how, my, how this life group just adopted me and they made me feel like a part of the family. How incredible that lady that sits next to me, she continues to ask my name. And I don't like people talking to me, but she wouldn't leave me alone and she made me feel welcome. How incredible that my child could come to this youth group and they have never liked any church that we've been to, but they love being with their kids and our students and we can't help but come back. How incredible it is that we live out the gospel in its various forms. So the questions for you are very simple as we get into our response time. Where's your faith? (coughs) Excuse me for coughing in the microphone. Well, where's your faith? Who's it in? What's it in? If the answer is anything other than Jesus, then I want to beg you, encourage you, plead with you, whatever I need to do today. You need Jesus You need Jesus more than you need the next breath of your life because I promise you the last time you breathe, the next time you see your eyes are open, it'll be with Jesus or without him and I want it to be with him. We have prayer partners that'll be on either side. We'll have prayer partners up in the mezzanine. They would love to talk to you. They would love to encourage you. They would love to share with you how you can accept Jesus Christ. I'll be here. My friend Eric will be here. We got others that will gladly do that. They would love to share with you about Jesus. Where's your faith? And is it in Jesus? Church family, for those of you that identify with Jesus Christ already, how are you showing love? Now, don't, <clears throat> don't give me the church answer. Well, I love everybody. No, that's not true. That's not true. Because I promise you, if I put you in different scenarios, I'd figure out pretty fast who you don't love. But how are we showing that? How are we growing in that? Because I'll be honest, I don't love everybody the way that Jesus asked me to. And I've got to grow in that love. I've got not to, I have to make sure that I don't panic every time I get in a situation that makes me uncomfortable. I just need to start showing Jesus love. I need to be able to do things that God has called me to do regardless of what it looks like, feels like, or costs me. I need to show that love because I promise you if Jesus got me into it, he's going to use me in it and then he's going to get me out of it. But I got to be willing to love people. And where's my source of hope? And how am I growing in that hope. Maybe your call is just that you need to get into the church family. You need to put yourself under the authority of a local church and a team of people that love you and care for you and want to help you develop as a disciple. You come and be a part of this fellowship and join us in our mission to do whatever it takes. I promise you we're not the only church and we will love you and pray with you until you find the right church if this is not the right place. But come with us. Find out if this is the place and join us and grow with us because we think that what we're doing here is really beginning to make a huge difference and we would love more people to join with us because we don't have the corner of the market. We just have a love of Jesus that's growing inside of us.
The other thing that I would ask you is, how are you showing gratitude? How are you demonstrating thankfulness when it comes to anything that God is a part of? When's the last time you looked at a blessing that God has given you and you just said, thank you? When's the last time that you just woke up in the morning and said, God, thank you for this day that I now have. Thank you for this breath that I now breathe. Thank you for the opportunity to know you and to love you and to care for you. Thank you for the salvation. How are you showing gratitude to God? It's hard to appreciate what God is doing if we don't thank him for it. It's hard to understand what God is doing when we don't thank him for what he has already done that he's given us new life. He's transferred us from death to life. Man, that alone is worthy of thanks. So this response time that we're getting into, I want to encourage you to do several things. If you don't know Jesus, then come find me, one of our prayer partners up in the mezzanine here on the floor. Let's talk. Let's pray with you today to accept Jesus Christ. What it means and what you need to do and what it looks like and how to help you grow beyond just the decision, but into a life that is a growing disciple. Maybe you just need to confess and you say, you know, God, I have not had my faith in the right place and my love has not really been something I've been showing and my hope is definitely not in you and you just want to confess it to the Lord. You are welcome to do that. We have some prayer cards right there that you could just confess right there and then place it on the cross and that's between you and God. Now, I will say that the staff is going to come behind you and we're going to pray over that, but we're not making it public, but we are going to pray. Maybe you just want to come. You don't want to, you don't want to put it on the cross. You just want to lay right here or you want to kneel right here and just say, God, take all these things that I've done that are away from you and just forgive me. You could do that today and put your source of hope and put your faith in the right place and rededicate your, yourself to doing what God has called you to do. And maybe one of the easiest and best ways to do that is just to have communion with him. We have our communion stations here on the side and up, up on the mezzanine as well. And by communion, you're just identifying with the Lord. You're saying, I remember the sacrifice that you've given to me. Your body was broken, your blood was spilt, and I just want to have communion. I want to have fellowship with you again. And by doing this in remembrance of you, I want to rededicate myself to live out my faith and live out my love, my love and have that hope that, that we've been talking about. Because just like Daniel said last week, I'm telling you again, Jesus is enough. But it's not enough for us to acknowledge it. We've got to respond to it. And we've got to live it out in its different forms. Amen?